Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Superman from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth. And justice. And now to our story. According to the terms of the Richard's will, Metropolis University will receive $3 million provided it can raise $500,000 through its own efforts. There is only one possible way to raise the money, by having the football team win every game and play at the Rose Bowl. However, when the team collapsed in its game with State College, Clark Kent suspected dirty work. As Superman, he discovered who would benefit under the terms of the will if the university did not get the $3 million. With this information at hand, he and Jimmy Olsen went to the university to talk the matter over with Spike Taylor, the coach. While they were talking, Jimmy wandered into the training table kitchen, where he saw the cook dropping a strange liquid into the milk. He returned to this to Kent at once. Hurrying into the kitchen, Kent and Taylor found the cook gone. After sending Jimmy home, they retired to Taylor's office, where we find him now. Listen. There's only one thing to do, coach. Find that cook. What's his name again? Dork. Sam Dorn. Yes, I can't picture him attempting to poison the boys on the team. He just isn't the type. Well, what's Pike got to do with it? Chances are he's using a few names. Didn't you tell me the last job he had was cooking on board a ship? Oh, yes. Well, I told you what I learned from Quincy, the lawyer who handled Richard's will. One of the beneficiaries who will inherit a cool million dollars if the university doesn't get the money is George Kane, the nephew. According to Quincy, the last heard from Kane, he was working on an oil tanker. Kent, you don't think Sam Dorff is George King? I wouldn't be one bit surprised. Oh, but look, we're wasting time. We can't afford to let Dorff get too far away. I called the University Employment Office to get what information they have about him. A girl said she called back. Uh-huh. Well, I must be the office now. Hello? Yeah? Hey, hold on a minute. Hey, hand me that pencil, Kent. Oh, sure. Here. Thanks. All right, go ahead. 45, Darrell Lane, Sharon Heights. Widower, one child. What was that? Oh, I see. Well, thanks very much. Well, here it is. The address he gave was 45 Darrell Lane, Sharon Heights. That's about 50 miles from the Propolis on the B&R Railroad. Yeah, that boy in the kitchen said Dorf mentioned he had to catch a train. Oh, yes, he did. I'll call the B&R and check. Good idea. Now, operator, can you get me the train information bureau of the B&R Railroad? I have no directory. Thank you. I'll hold on. Well, Coach, it seems a little strange that he lives in Sharon Heights. Fifty miles train ride twice a day to... Oh, hello? Uh, train information? Uh, can you give me your evening schedule to Sharon Heights from Metropolis? That's right. Yes. 5.20, 7.10, 
11.30. Is that all? No other connections, eh? All right, thank you. Well, he could have made the 7.10 if he rushed. It's 7.30 now. That means the train's left. Well, what if he get to Sharon Heights? We can call and have the police there pick him up. No, I don't think that's the way to handle it. I'll go after him and bring him back. What are you going to do, fly? Why, yes. Well, don't be foolish. There's no plane service to that bird. Well, I didn't intend taking the plane. Now, wait a minute. Take it easy. In one breath, you say you're going to fly, and in the next breath, you say you didn't intend taking the plane. Yeah, I, uh, I was just a little confused. What I meant was I, I have a friend with a private plane. He'll take me. Well, what if Sharon Heights has no landing field? Oh, this friend of mine can land on a dime. Don't you worry. Okay, it's your funeral, not mine. Yeah, where's, where's that uh, medicine bottle we found in the kitchen? No, right here. I'll take it up and have Nelson the stone analyze it. Good. And I'll call you if I run into trouble. If not, I'll have Dorf back here by 10 o'clock. Good luck. Thanks. Oh, and by the way, I wouldn't mention this to anyone but Professor Nelson and Dr. Stone. I won't. Okay, so long. Leaving the University Athletic Building, Clark Kent cuts across the campus. Once the darkness has hemmed him in, he stops short, rips off his outer clothing, and leaps high into the air as Superman. Like some giant bear, he wheels in furious flight above the Metropolis Railroad Station, and then follows two gleaming steel rails into the darkness. Soon, his sharp ears pick up the distant wail of a locomotive whistle, and his amazing eyes spot puffs of gray smoke below him. Swooping down, he lands gently on the roof of a swaying coach, drops to the iron platform between the cars, and in a moment has covered the brilliant costume of Superman with the disguising business suit of Clark Kent, reporter. Opening the door, he enters the car like any other passenger. Tickets, please. All tickets. Uh-oh, what am I going to do about a ticket? Oh, I know. I can pay the conductor in cash. Tickets, please. All tickets. I don't see anyone fitting Taylor's description of doors in this car. Chances are he's in a smoker. That's the next car back. Uh, ticket, please. Oh, I'm sorry, conductor. I didn't have time to buy a ticket. I'm going to Sharon Heights. What's the fare? Uh, right. yes. uh, one chance. Okay. And there you are, one chance. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, try this next car, the smoking car. Now, let's see. If he's here, he shouldn't be hard to find. Short, plump, bald-headed. Yes, there's a man who answers the description perfectly. He's sitting alone. I'll join him. Uh, pardon me, is this seat occupied? No. Thank you. This train goes to Sharon Heights, doesn't it? Yes, next stop. Oh, really? Well, must be an express. Yes, only two stops from Metropolis. Oh, fine. Uh, do you live in Sharon Heights? Yes. I've never been there. Is it a small town? Not so small. There is a very fine hospital in Sharon Heights. Oh? Children's hospital. Oh, interesting, very interesting. Oh, yes, fine hospital. You know, I think I've seen you someplace before. Your name is Kane, isn't it? George Kane? No, you have made a mistake. My name is Dorf. Samuel Dorf. That's funny. I was sure you were George Kane. No, always I have been Samuel Dorf. Well, I'm still sure I've seen you someplace. Where could it have been? I don't know, mister. I don't go many places. Hmm. Do you work in Metropolis? Yes, at the university. Metropolis University? Yes. I cook for football team training table. Oh, that's where I've seen you. I'm a close friend of Spike Taylor, the coach. Oh, yes, Mr. Taylor, fine fellow. Uh, you know Professor Nelson in laboratory and Dr. Stone? Why, yes. 
Oh, both fine fellows. Professor Nelson and Dr. Stone. Well, I, I got to get off here. I'm getting off, too. Well, it wasn't a very long ride. No, only one hour. Uh, this is fast train. Some trains take an hour and 40 minutes. Uh-huh. Well, here we are. Watch the step now. Right. So this is Sharon Heights, huh? Everything seems closed up. Yes, all except hospital. Good night, mister. Uh, which way are you going? I, I walk up the hill. Oh, well, I'm going that way, too. I'll keep you company. Fine. I don't see a soul around here. No, everybody go to bed early in Sharon Heights. You come out here every night? Oh, no. Just once a week. It costs too much to ride the train every night and in the morning, too. Yes, I should think so. But you won't have to worry about that anymore, Dorf. Well, what do you mean? Hey, hey, why do you hold my arm? This is as far as we go. No, I go to Top of Hill. No, I'm afraid not. You're coming back to Metropolis with me. You talk crazy, mister. Drop the Innocent Act, Dorf. It doesn't work any longer. Let go of my arm, please. You heard what I said, didn't you? We're going back to Metropolis. Let go, I said, mister. You make me mad. That won't help you a bit. Are you coming along quietly, or do I have to... Oh, you want to fight? I fight. Oh, so that's how it is, huh? You brought this on yourself, Dorf. Don't forget. I didn't want to have to do that, but it serves the purpose. Now I can get him back to Metropolis the fast way, as Superman. There we are. Uh, he's no lightweight, but I think I can make it. Up! Up! And away! How is he, Professor Nelson? He'll be all right, Mr. Taylor. It's a bad contusion on the jaw, but the ice bag will ease it. Pulse all right, Dr. Stone? Yes. Normal. Hence, you made a horrible mistake. This man, Dorf, is as innocent of wrongdoing as you or I. I no, but everything pointed to him. Jimmy saw him pouring that liquid into the milk pitcher. But I've told you, Mr. Kent, that was vitamin B1 compound. Dorf had orders to put it in the middle. There was no way of knowing that. And then his sudden departure. I could have told you where he was going. To the children's hospital at Sharon Heights. It's the ironic part of all this, Kent. What do you mean, Professor Nelson? Dorf has a son of 15 or thereabouts. The boy is in the Sharon Heights Hospital, suffering from infantile paralysis. What? You don't mean that. Yes, unfortunately. I helped him get the boy admitted. And to have this happen on the one night of the week he visits his son. Oh, I can't tell you how sorry I am. I know you are, Kent. You meant well. But bungled stupidly. If you had only stopped to ask... And again, I say I'm sorry. I'll make it up to him somehow. Perhaps I'm wrong about the whole business. Maybe it is a wild goose chase. I'll take it, Professor. If you will, Taylor. Hello? Who? Oh, just a minute. For you, Kent. No, thank you. Hello? Yes, Mr. White? What? Read it to me, will you? Yes? Yes? Yes, I got it. Okay, I'll be at the office in ten minutes. Well, I take back what I said, gentlemen, about my being wrong... What do you mean, Mr. Kent? Gentlemen, I have just received a message that convinces me we are dealing with a dangerous criminal. Whom did Perry White name to Kent over the phone? Is it another false clue like the Dorf incident, or will it, as Kent says, lead to something interesting? You'll find out in the next episode, so don't forget to tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with 
Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.